Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Listen, like Ryan said, this is uh, week three of Unshakable. I'm excited about having you guys here today because we're going to unpack, in, in here in a little bit, we're going to unpack what is my favorite chapter in the, in the entirety of the Bible. And I'll explain more about why it's my favorite in a little bit, but it it's absolutely is my favorite. Um, but listen, as you guys came in, you, this, is, this is time for our Unshakable initiative. And uh, if you don't have one already, we have been handing out uh, these Unshakable guides. And they're an opportunity for you to keep your notes in there from a week to week, on a week-to-week basis. Also, there's, there's some supplemental material in there that you can use in your life groups or your own personal study uh, to just kind of help you go deeper in these areas. Also in there, as we think about looking at um, an unshakable faith and unleashing an unshakable love. Some of what we're going to be unfolding over the course of the next few weeks that, that are some of the strategies that God has laid on our heart to do that, we, we want to invite you into helping make these things happen. And there is a commitment card in there that we want you to use as a prayer tool to say, how can I be radically generous in the, in the fulfillment of the, of the Great Commission so that we as a body of Christ can reach out in their community into, in a very unique way? Um, if you have been praying about that, and I know many of you have, we're going to be having a little party on Friday night where we're going to having a little bit of an advanced commitment night. There is a, uh, there's a little, a little, uh, a little card on your chair with a QR code on the back. You can, you can scan that and it'll let you register for that event. Um, also guys, you can, you can find out more about this at an unshakable.faith. Now, now listen, our goal in this is a hundred percent participation, but 100% participation in growing and developing an unshakable faith. Because we believe firmly that if we are growing and developing our relationship with Christ, then, every, then the byproduct of that will be an unshakable love that just pours out of us. And so we want you to engage in this on a weekly basis. And, and whatever God lays on your heart above and beyond that, that is phenomenal. Um, but we, we would love for you to just continue to engage in this. So today is week three of Unshakable, and I want to introduce someone to you. Um, I want to introduce to you my friend, my friend Derek Robinson. Uh, Derek is uh, Derek's going to come up, and he's going to read out of Acts chapter four, verse five through twenty today. And, and just a little bit about Derek as he's walking up here. Derek serves on a on a on a regular basis back with our high school kids. And, and if you don't know what goes on in our student ministry, there's some amazing things. We have, we have on Sunday mornings at the 9, at the 9 a.m., 9.30 a.m. service, we have anywhere from 30 to 40 middle schoolers here on a weekly basis that are, that are growing in their relationship with Christ and understanding their identity in Him. And on, on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, we have a high school youth group, that, that, a high school Bible study that meets in the basement of the church, uh, the church offices where nobody else wants to meet. Um, but they meet, they meet over there in the basement of the church office building and where they dive deep into uh, many of the things that are going on in their own world and how Scripture can guide them through those moments. And on Wednesday night, which is where Derek serves, there's, there's high school kids here on a weekly basis who are, who are becoming the future leaders of the, of the local church. And it's an incredible thing. And so, Derek, I'm going to get out of the way, and I'm going to let you step over here. We, I think we got the microphone high enough. I think it's tall enough for you. And um, you're going to learn that, that you, as you get to know Derek, one thing you're going to hear right away is he's got a great voice, and you're going to want him to talk and not me. But, but secondly, man, this man's got a passion for our teens and for the Scripture. 
And so, Derek, I'm going to step out of the way, and it's on you, my man. Thank you, Joe. Good morning, church. How's everyone doing? I will read for you uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 20. The next day, the rulers and elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and was Sir were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they've done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer of anyone in this name. Then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speak, speaking about what we have seen and heard. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Derek, if you'll stick around for just a moment, I'd love to pray for our day. I'd love to pray for Derek and for the kids that he has the privilege of serving, the young men and women that he's getting the privilege of helping serve. And so uh, if you'd join me, I'd appreciate it. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I want to thank you. I thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather together today. Uh, I also thank you for Derek and the, and the folks that, the, the other folks like him who are investing so heavily in the, in, in the identity and in the character development and the faith of the next generation of leaders. And I, and I pray right now, Lord, for... I, I pray right now, Lord, for those young men and women that their faith be founded so firmly upon you that it is not wavering, that they get to find their identity and who you say that they are, and, and that as we continue to grow here as a, as a congregation and we develop our faith, that they not only are the leaders of the future, but they step out and they lead today. And so, Lord, I, I give you this morning, I pray that it's glorifying to you. And again, I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to move that off to the side so that uh, I don't knock it over. So, like I said earlier, guys, this is week three 
of the Unshakable series. And up to this point in time, we have been each week doing something that's been kind of fun. Um, and uh, honestly, when Casey and I first said we were going to do this, we didn't know what was going to happen. Casey wasn't sure if people would actually respond. But our series Big Idea has become a bit of a callback here on Sunday mornings and in other environments. And, and so, so if you know what I'm talking about, just go along with me for just a second. But if you don't, just listen. And we're going to do this a couple of times so you have an opportunity to be able to engage. This is our series Big Idea. In Christ we are... I love this. Okay, so we're going to do this one more time, but we're going to say this so that the people outside this room can hear it. Okay? I, I, we're going to say this with some gusto. All right? So in Christ, we are... That's what I'm talking about. So guys, this is so exciting. I believe firmly that this is going to be a catalytic season in the life of our church. And in week one, Pastor Casey came up and I think did a phenomenal job of laying out what it means to be on mission for Christ as the body of Christ, which is the church. That's all of us who call upon Jesus as Lord. And, and, what we, and we learned what it means to have an unshakable faith. We learned that the mission of the church is to be a witness to the power of the gospel until Christ returns. We learned that, that the mission of the church is one. It has, we have a singular mission, and that is to be a witness to the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus, until Christ returns. And in week two, we got to see that we're not meant to do this alone. We're not meant to do this alone. We're meant to do this in community. None of us are meant to do this individually. None of us have the power to be, to, to be unshakable by ourselves. And we looked back at the beginnings of the, of, the, of the church, and we realized that to do something incredible today, we don't need to look to something new. We need to look to something old. And we need to look and say, what did the original church do that caused them to explode like wildfire? And we realized there are four keystone habits of the early church. And last week, we got to participate in one of those here as a body of Christ. It was so incredible to look around and see people praying with one another. And so we, we learned that, that as we do this, we are devoted to each other. And, and, and see, an unshakable community is devoted to Jesus' church. Remember, that's what I said. That's us. That's the body of Christ. We're devoted to each other and to Jesus' mission to be that witness of the power of the gospel until Jesus returns. And we do this because we are devoted to Jesus. But listen, if we're really being honest, none of us can do that. Like I said earlier, none of us can do it alone. And under our own earthly power, even us together, we can't be unshakable. Under our own earthly power, we can't be. We need something that's outside of us. You see, to be an unshakable community who is an unshakable witness, we will need an unshakable power source. We will need an unshakable power source, one that isn't of ourselves but is of God. And we see the answer. What is this unshakable power source? We see this in Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So let's just take a moment here for just a second. And I got to be really honest, okay? Growing up in small town, small church, Kansas, the Holy Spirit wasn't talked about much. The Holy Spirit was whispered about in corners, but not boldly proclaimed. The Holy Spirit was sometimes 
something we were afraid of because we knew that was a power source we couldn't control. But the Holy Spirit is God and we must not neglect talking and learning of the Holy Spirit. So today, we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit, chat a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And the first thing I've already said is that the Holy Spirit is God, period. The Holy Spirit is God. We see this because throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is, we are told the Holy Spirit is God. It says in Acts 5, it says, Then Peter said to Ananias, How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? He goes on to say, You have not lied to men, but to God. See, the Holy Spirit is God. We are told this through Scripture. But we also see the evidence of the Holy Spirit being, being God because the Holy Spirit carries the attributes of God. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. That means everywhere. It's a fancy word that means everywhere. We see in the book of Psalms, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the depths of Sheol, you will find me. We can't escape the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Amen. We also learn that the Holy Spirit is omniscient. That means all-knowing. means there's nothing we can hide from the Holy Spirit, not just because he's everywhere, but because he knows everything. And he knows even the things that we don't have any power to comprehend. See, the, it's, we see in 1 Corinthians, it says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit is that that, digs deep into God the Father and God the Son and, and knows all of these things. And the Holy Spirit is also omnipotent, which means all-powerful. You see, the Holy Spirit is the power behind all spiritual gifts and the power behind new life. And he's also the giver of all of these things. You see, the other thing that the Holy Spirit does and we can trust in is that the Holy Spirit does the work of God. And Romans 8, 11 says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. Let's, let's pause for just a second here, and we just gonna, we're, we're going to narrow this down. The business, of, the business that God is in is bringing life out of death. Period. He takes what we killed, and he brings life out of it. The business of God is bringing life out of death, and that is the business of the Holy Spirit. He is in, that's his job. He's in that business. It's great. And how does he do this? He begins before we know Jesus, because the Holy Spirit begins with conviction. He begins by saying, you're living a life that is, your, that is not your own. You're living a life that's full of sin. You're living a life that is broken, and there's a better way. And then he moves from conviction. When we respond to conviction, he, he moves to regeneration, which means he brings life out of death. He makes dry bones come alive. Okay? And then he moves to sanctification, which means sanctification is a fancy word that means we become more like Jesus. And when we're becoming more like Jesus, we're becoming more like God the Father, and we're becoming more like God the Holy Spirit because they are God. The Holy Spirit is also in the consolation business. Jesus said he was going to leave us a comforter. 
Friends, we all have times in our lives when we need a comforter. When life gets heavy, when life gets overwhelming, and there's nothing in us that can make it any better. And we need a hug, but not a hug that's temporary, a hug that squeezes and doesn't let go. That's the Holy Spirit. He's our comforter. He consoles us. He also illuminates, which means he grabs scripture and he makes it so we can understand. And we can see who God is and who we are supposed to be like. And we can see his love through his words, even the difficult ones. And he intercedes on our behalf, which means that when we are, when we are broken, when all we have is wails and moans and tears, the Holy Spirit goes before God the Father and says, be with Joe. Be with Miranda, be with Jeff. Because they don't have the words right now. But he prays, intercedes on our behalf in the will of the Father because he knows the will of the Father. This is the Holy Spirit bringing life out of death and letting us experience a life that we hear about in John 10.10 where it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's earthly life. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's Holy Spirit life. And he offers that to us. You see, the Holy Spirit offers new life. Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. The Holy Spirit offers a life that we could never achieve on our own. The Holy Spirit offers a newness of life, one that is marked not by earthly things, but by the Holy Spirit, by things of God. We, we, we follow the Lord and he offers new life. And there are two responses. Resistance or obedience. Resistance or obedience. Those are the two responses. This begins with the conviction when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and says there's something, there's, there's something better and you're clinging to something old and there's something new and the old that you're hanging into is your sinful self. And by the way, I got something new that has nothing to do with that and you need to repent of this and come over here. He, this, the, the, we have the opportunity to be obedient or to resist. And throughout life, there's going to be times when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us after we've been indwelled with him. And he says, keep going. You got to go do this. And we have the opportunity to, to, to be obedient or to resist. But the first opportunity for, for obedience is through repentance. It's coming to the Lord. And an amazing thing happens when we're obedient You see, repenting to Jesus for forgiveness of your sins and receiving him as Savior enlists us as gospel witnesses. When we come to him, when we do what Galatians 5.16 says, which is walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh, when we repent to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and receive him as Savior, he enlists us as gospel witnesses. And that's a big responsibility 
It's a big responsibility. See, repenting does one thing. It, repenting allows us to be emptied of everything of ourselves so that we can be filled with things of the Spirit. Repenting allows us to be emptied because we must be emptied before we can be filled. See, the old wine and the new wine, they don't mix. We got to be emptied so we can be filled. And be receiving Jesus. When we receive Jesus, when we have repented of our sins and received Jesus as Savior, we are filled to the measure with the Holy Spirit. And we become, as we're going to see later, where it talks about Peter, where Derek read earlier, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be able to look out and say, Gary, filled with the Holy Spirit, or Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be able to look out and say, this is who we are because of who lives inside of us. We are filled to the measure with a power source that gives us something that, apart from him, we do not have on our own. You see, an unshakable gospel witness driven by the gospel of Jesus requires unshakable boldness. It requires a boldness that none of us have on our own in face of everything. It requires us to stand up and stand out. But we have to do this through the power of the Holy Spirit because that is the only way. So, with, with, you know, Derek read, I told you earlier that Acts 4 is one of my favorite pieces in all of Scripture. And here I want to tell you a reason why. Because I think we get to, uh, my, my favorite Bible character is Peter. I like Peter. Peter just does stuff and then figures out what just happened. Peter and I, we kind of think of things through the same way. We're all gas and no break. We just go. Peter says things and then trusts that God's got it. But Peter, when he is in relationship with Jesus, when he's standing with Jesus, when he's filled with the Spirit, he is a bold person. But me, just like Peter, when I'm, not, when I'm ignoring the Spirit of God, I am not bold. And so what's happening here is Peter and John have just healed a man who had been crippled from birth, okay? And there are people who are around them are starting to ask a lot of questions. So Peter and John are telling the folks who are around them, here's what happened. This happened because of Jesus and Jesus resurrected. Well, the high priest and the royal guard caught wind that there was a little commotion going on outside. So they went outside to check out what was going on and they did not appreciate what they heard. Because the high priest at the time and the Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. That was punishable by law. That was punishable by death. If, you caught, if they caught you talking about resurrection, this was a, this is, so, the, so they come out and they find these guys just boldly saying, Jesus, resurrected from the dead. What are you going to do? Well, here's what they did. They came at night because they couldn't do it in the day because their preaching led to 5,000 people coming to Christ. So they couldn't do it during the day. So they, they, in a very non-bold way, came and grabbed him in the evening and threw him in jail. They spent the night in jail, and then the following morning, they called him back in front of the Sanhedrin. That was the ruling body at the time. Same people who, threw Jesus in, who, who sent Jesus to the cross. And this is where we pick things up. In Acts, chapter, in, in Acts chapter 4, it says, The next day the rulers, elders, teachers, and, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. These were the dudes who could put them to death legally. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now listen, there's a little bit of stuff that comes behind Peter's words here. I mean, you got to listen to this. You understand who he's talking to. We've talked about who he's talking to. Now listen to these words. Rulers and elders of the people. If we're being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. I mean, he's saying, listen, if you're, if you're, if you're getting on us because we did something nice, I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who was crucified, who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the corner, the stone you builders rejected, who has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. He is looking at them and saying, hey, listen, I know you don't believe in resurrection, but the power of the resurrection is who, ra- is who healed this man. And by the way, he got crucified and it was your fault. That's gutsy. That's bold. That's standing in front of people who you know crucified your Savior and could do it to you too. And no one would bat an eye and saying, no, there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved than Jesus crucified and resurrected. That my friends, is boldness. The Holy Spirit gave Peter and John an unshakable boldness and it propelled them into a witness for Jesus. And this is what happens when the Holy Spirit fills us up. You see, the teaching big idea today is this, is that Holy Spirit boldness due to Holy Spirit fullness makes me an unshakable witness. When the Holy Spirit fills us up and we become bold through the Holy Spirit, we are an unshakable witness and we can stand not just in front of our neighbors who might question our faith a little bit and say, hey, I don't think, I'm a, I don't think I agree with that. We can stand in face of anything and say, no, no, no. It is Jesus. Repent of your sins because Jesus is near. Amen. We can do this because of who lives inside of us. And like I said earlier, Peter, Peter was one of those guys I, he and I, remember, all gas, no break. We like this. I like Peter. Peter, walk, Jesus calls him to walk out on water. He gets out of the boat. He starts walking across the sea. He's walking on top of the water. The second he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he turns and he begins to look around and he sinks. Standing with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Roman centurion comes up to arrest Jesus. Peter yanks out a sword, cuts his ear off. That's somebody who could have struck him down in the moment, but not too long after that, he denied Jesus to a 13-year-old girl because he was afraid because he wasn't standing with Jesus. And now he's standing in front of the Sanhedrin filled with the Holy Spirit. That is God with him. No longer him walking with Jesus, but God with him. And he's standing in front of people who legitimately could kill him and just says the truth. You see, Peter, when he stood with Jesus, when he trusted in Jesus, he was bold. When we trust in Jesus, we are filled with the Spirit, and we can be bold as well. You see, we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we have put our trust in Jesus. You see, when God comes to be with us, which is what the Holy Spirit is, is God with us. We can do things that are beyond ourselves that without him, 
we wouldn't just fade away, we'd run away. Because of the power of the one who lives in us. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence will be unquestionable. We will be changed. The evidence of Peter and John being filled with the Spirit, of the power of God, was unquestionable. In front of the Sanhedrin, the the, the man who had been crippled from birth, who had been crippled for 40 years, was standing with them. The evidence was unquestionable. When the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and we, become, we begin to look more and more like Jesus, we become to look more like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We become something that's not questionable, but it's not our own doing. It's not our own doing. It is the power of God in us. And when the power of God changes us, something incredible happens. You see, Peter and John, they said what they had to say. And, and the, the, they, said, they said, you know, Jesus is the only way. I mean, this is what they're doing. They're standing up there. They're saying, Jesus is the only way. By the way, you're the ones who killed him and, he, and God raised him from the dead. So just deal with it. This is what happened. The people sent the Sanhedrin. They left the little courts. They talked amongst themselves. And they said, hey, how are we going to get these guys to stop talking about this? And their answer was, oh, we'll just threaten them again. Like, that's going to work. I mean, really, they, they knew who they were talking to. If it didn't work the first time, it wasn't going to work the second time. But that's the only thing they had in their back pocket was, we'll just threaten them again. Because we got to stop this. This is getting out of hand. 5,000 people, like earlier today, this is nuts. We got to stop this. So they gathered him back in, and this is what happened. It says, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. You see, friends, when we have changed, when the Holy Spirit has come inside of us, we can't help but obey the promptings of Jesus and speak of what has been done in our lives. We can't help but say, this is who I once was. This is who I am now. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I was once but dry bones, but now I'm dancing because I can't help it. When the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we cannot help but boldly share Jesus. This is what was found in the moment with Peter and John. This is what happened. They got themselves into a situation where they couldn't help but boldly share Jesus. And these were their words. And I want to share them with you, knowing that today, for those of us who know Christ, I want this to be the, I want you to remember, this is the foundation upon which we build our faith. For those of you who do not, I want you to hear from me. There is a new life. It's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. 
Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus, who was, is, and always will be God. Jesus, who was God, became man, lived a perfect life we could not live, died a death that we deserved, conquered death, hell, and the grave, rose again on the third day, is seated at the right hand of the Father, gave us the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, and God with us. He is the only way. There is no other answer. There is no other answer to anything that, that any of the problems in this world other than Jesus and Jesus alone. And he offers new life. And when we respond, that's when we're bold. You see, we're bold in the spirit as we repent, receive and obey. We are bold in the spirit as we repent of our sins and say, and let us be emptied so that we can be filled as we receive Jesus as Savior. We are bold in the spirit as we repent and say, this way of life I can no longer live. I will follow the ways of the spirit. I will do, I will walk in the spirit because walking in the spirit is the only way to walk. And then we obey the promptings of the Spirit. Now, friends, listen, I need you to hear that that does not just end when we, when that, that obeying the Spirit and obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit does not end when we, when we accept Him, as, when we repent and receive. It is a lifelong decision. It is a lifelong decision to obey the promptings of the Spirit because the promptings of the Spirit push us more and more and more into newness of life, into that abundant life I mentioned earlier. So maybe today, maybe today is the day for you to repent. Let yourself be emptied so that you can be filled. Run to Jesus. Let him fill you up. Let his spirit come be God with you. Maybe today it's your day to go public with that. Here in just a minute, I'm going to take my jacket off. I'm going to walk over here. We're going to uncover this thing. And if baptism, going public with your faith is your next step today, we can deal with that right now. Amen. But maybe today you've been journeying with Jesus for a while, but there's, a, there's forgiveness you've been withholding and you need to deal with that. Maybe there's someone you need to apologize to that you hurt and they didn't even know you did something. And you need to walk across the aisle and go talk to them. You can do that. Maybe today is a day where you need to pick up your phone and you need to call somebody and say, I need to tell you about this life that's only found in Jesus. Maybe today there's a next step that the Holy Spirit has been prompting in you, a part of your life that you have not let go of yet. And today's the day to leave that at the altar. Whatever that next step is today, whatever bold step you need to take, because that's the question today, what bold step do I need to take today? Whatever that bold step is, it's going to take courage. It's going to take boldness. It's going to take gutsiness. 
to step out and follow. And maybe you're in a position where you're saying, I can't do that alone. Well, last week we all got practice on praying with each other. Today, maybe you need somebody to pray with you. To give you the strength. Borrow the strength from them so you have the strength to do what you need to do. There's going to be some words written up here on the screen. And it's going to, it's going to, say, it's going to say, Father, please give my friend the boldness to whatever that happens to be. And as the band is playing here, listen, if, if baptism is your next step, come down and see me. I got stunt clothes. You'll, we're going to send you home in dry clothes. It's going to be great. I know you didn't come prepared. That's okay. I don't mind. It's fun. Maybe today you, need to, you really do need to walk across the aisle and apologize. Maybe today you need to offer forgiveness where you've been withholding Maybe today you really do need to pick up your phone and make a phone call. Whatever that bold step is today, let's do this and let's do this together. Westside, I love you, but not nearly as much as our Father in heaven does. Amen.